Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. All right, welcome to Catch the Moment Podcast. This is your host, David Tyree, back for another exciting episode. This is where we get you the gems, the insight, the information, take you through your process, your pain point, your journey, get you on your road to getting great done. Today, I'm here with a with a friend, um, a dynamic entrepreneur, uh, has some valuable insight, Tim Jackson. Welcome to the couch, bro. Thanks, David. Uh, absolute pleasure to be here. Just by virtue of tradition, always like to get... Um, these are more for me than anybody else, even though this show is supposed to be about you. Where were you the first time you ever saw the helmet catch? Your thoughts, any memory? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Did you even have you even seen it? So, <laughs> I, 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 I love that question because I tell that story more times than you realize. <laughs> Two weeks before the Super Bowl, I was working in, I think it was East Orange. I think I was in like a library. Nice or some sort of municipal building. Mm-hmm. And I met this older gentleman and was talking with him and probably talking about the Super Bowl. And he turns to me and he goes, yeah, my son is actually playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, who's your son? And, um, you know, he, he, he rattles off David Tyree. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I, I had no idea who you were. No I, 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 was, I was born and raised a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Okay. Uh, but you know, it, can't argue. <laughs> you, you take note when someone says, "Oh yeah, my my kid plays football," and I I don't know if you could tell, but I'm not necessarily built for football. It, it you got been. you got the look, bro. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, you, you look looking pretty good. I appreciate. It. <laughs> um, you know, it, in any event, two weeks later, uh, I'm sitting in my buddy Scott's basement with everyone on my fantasy football team and our significant others. And the game was obviously incredibly intense. And as much as I wasn't a New York Giant fan, like everyone else who wasn't a Patriots (laughs) fan, we all became Giant fans that day. (laughs) The world was against the Patriots, I think, at that point. My goodness. I I grew up in love with Franco Harris's catch. Uh, which I'm sure is compared to yours. Yeah, that's uh, number one on the top 100. Yeah. It's still the immaculate reception. I mean, if you go Super Bowl catch, though, it's tough to to find anything that's going to compare. Yeah, I I don't think there's any debate for Super Bowl, but yeah, we got some debating. (laughs) I talked about that catch a lot afterwards. Uh, As you know, I'm in in recovery. I just celebrated 17 years in recovery. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Amazing. um, I run into a lot of young men, you know, who were, who were struggling, right? Sure. And uh, often I would hear someone c- come into a 12-step meeting yep. and mention the fact that they had almost drank the night before or almost got high the night before. Mm. And I would go to that catch time and time again. Mm. I would recant the story of like, hey, man, that game, the Giants weren't supposed to win. The Giants were not winning. Yeah. And they almost didn't win. Big fact. But David Tyree caught that ball, <laughs> and they became the NFL Super Bowl champions, and that's what, you know, entering recovery is. Mm-hmm. It's just wins and losses, you know? Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. if you get really close sure. to failing, but you succeed, 
they only count the wins, man. They only count the wins. And and so for for me, th- that catch has has meant a lot. It was it was really really awesome to see. Man, thanks for sharing that story. The fact that you actually met my dad two weeks ahead is pretty eerie. I'd never heard that. Yeah. And um, you know, just just for full context, uh, I love this dude. And um, everybody's got crazy stories over the last three years. You know, overcoming COVID, but um. When you open a business, and of course, we're going to talk about, you know, some of your um, marketplace journey, business journey, you know, and I feel like now I'm on the other side of being a business owner in entrepreneurial phase. But at that stage, 2020, in the middle of COVID, we don't know what the heck we're doing. We feel good about it, but we don't know what the heck we're doing. So when you have familiar faces, and this guy right here was one of the familiar faces in our store and a time where there were question marks and unknown. So the fact that, man, you actually heard of me, knew a little bit about me even before the helmet catch and before at the time we were doing business as a clean juice, man, you're, you're a rock star. Rock star in my mind because yeah. it was familiar faces that got us through that made us feel like, man, there's hope. And um, so appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, so I think it's, it's pretty interesting, too, uh, just in meeting you um, because you weren't a familiar face to me. Yeah. Right. I thought that I was visiting a small black-owned business and yeah. supporting a small family-owned business in, in Morristown, right? Yeah. And and I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed our conversation, and I think your wife told me to follow you on it, uh, follow Clean Juice on Instagram at sure. that time, now Tyree's Table. And, I don't know, maybe a week goes by, and I see D. Tyree 78, is that what your handle 85, was? D. 85, D. Tyree 85 on the ground. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I start clicking. I'm like, how is that not David Tyree? And then I, <laughs> I, I come into the clean juice the next day, and you're sitting there like you usually were in the morning. I was like, are you David Tyree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, you know, anyone who's met me knows that I don't really have a celebrity pulse. Or, you know, it's great to have access, but you just got to be a real dude. And I always appreciate people who are just real authentic people. And, um, and it's great, to, you know, I'm, some some celebrities, they're, they're normal people. Well, I, I got to believe you get fanboyed every now and then, right? Every now and then. Every now and then. How it, does that make you feel? Um, understanding where sports is in society, it, you, you definitely appreciate it. And then you're, you're waiting for, this, for the landing, right? <laughs> it's kind of like you're waiting for the landing of, all right, one, two, three. What point with this, we're going to become a normal conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you get it. You get it. You totally get it because um, being an, uh, an NFL athlete and all that other stuff and accomplishing something significant, it means a lot. That's that's the reason why I still celebrate the helmet catches because that meant so much for so many different people in different it. ways. It's crazy. Yeah. The stories I've gotten through the years are crazy. So, But um, even with you, bro, so like – Number one, you, you you talked about being in recovery 17 years. I have like, you know, you, you know that I'm a spiritual man, I'm a Christian dude, but I'm 20 years, I'm talking about I was a functional alcoholic. So let's get into like life and the journey. And I think it sounds like you're at a full circle moment when you open Awakenings Treatment Center. But 17 years overcoming alcohol, you know, substance abuse, whatever language you help me. Um, I have a similar 14 to 24. I'm, I'm pretty much a blackout artist, you know, especially through my college years. Yeah. I'm wild for the night. I'm down for whatever. It's a good ages to have uh, um, too much fun. Yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> good. And, and like I said, there's a normalization, and then there's the reality of this is really not healthy. Yeah. 
right? So I think, you know, I'm kind of like understanding, but at the same time, man, this is, this is a great way to ruin your life. So, you know, in light of you having some, this, this, full, this full circle, what led down the, the, the path that, you know, where you eventually found out you were in a dark place? And what was the, the moment where you're like, man, I, I need to get a hold on my life, who I am and what I'm become? I've never met anyone who uh, came in soaring on the wings of victory into recovery. Mm. <laughs> you know? It's real because we, we understand whatever is legal is permissible, mm-hmm. but we know that whatever is legal is not beneficial and profitable. So it's a weird space where sometimes we have we celebrate alcohol, we celebrate marijuana, we celebrate substances, and they're now not legal. So, But at the same time, there's the back end of it and the undercurrent of it. So... You see it firsthand now on, on different levels, experiential and now in service too. So mm-hmm. just talk about your experience and how, how it led there and what was that, that moment? Because I, I can remember mine, knowing I needed help. There was a time when I was 17 years old, uh, and I didn't, get, I didn't get sober till I was 29, but there mm. was a time when I was 17 years old, and uh, yeah, I just started getting high for like a year or two, right? But mm. um uh, I, I was walking out the door to go meet a couple of buddies, and I remember thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. And then the thought occurred to me, I probably couldn't stop it if I wanted to. From that time on, it was always, I, you know, I, I think when I, got, when I got sober, one of my mentors turned to me and said, uh, Tim, I'm going to make this easy for you. What, what I want you to do is I want you to listen to that voice in your head. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, you know the voice that just said, what voice? He goes, that voice. Start listening to that. <laughs> and and the, the fact of the matter is, for my entire life, I was not listening to that voice. That voice. Um, and so it, it wasn't the worst drunk. It wasn't the worst night of my life. I mean, I lived in Morristown uh, okay, nice, nice. when I was young. And they had that St. Patrick's Day parade. Have you sure, seen that? Every single year. I was arrested on St. Patrick's Day uh, three years in a row. Which is difficult to do. Yeah, that's pretty. pretty, I was going to say that's impressive. You know, Um, consistent. (laughs) You know, DUIs, public intoxication. um, You know, I I I certainly had a a checkered past. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was it was really just waking up one morning uh, and realizing that I I was not who I was supposed to be. Mm. Now, was it something in your family? I, like for me, you know, my mom would buy my alcohol in high school. What normalized these substances? And in, 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 was it was it just alcohol? Was it, it was marijuana? Eight, was it? I think it was eighties and nineties. <laughs> it was the eighties and nineties. You, you know, ain't I, never lied, buddy. You know, Scarface. It was all kind. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, and I'm encouraged by young people constantly, right? And sure. I I think that in or I agree with the people who say that in 10 or 20 years from now, people are going to look at booze the same way that we look at cigarettes. I mm. think that there is a movement towards healthy living, healthy lifestyles, being spiritually fit, being centered inside of yourself. Absolutely. And, and putting poison into your system just, you know, it, it, it doesn't benefit anybody. They, they've already come out and discovered that, you know, all of those studies that came out that said you should have a glass or two of wine a day, right? Is, I've heard. It's complete bullshit. Thank you. And just take a look at, at, you know, where those studies were coming from, and, you know, it becomes <laughs> incredibly obvious. The medical estimation that I last heard was that the average person, the average man should not have more than two drinks a week. 
Wow. For the record, I'm I'm probably more pro the other substances than I am alcohol, <laughs> right? Like it's it's just it's an incredibly toxic substance. It is. Um, I'm for legalization of of all substances. We've seen it been done in specific cities. It's being done in other countries with with incredibly positive results. Give me some of the substances that you're. I mean, like this is just for clarity and understanding. I mean, like. What are you for that we have a legalized? Well, I mean, the legalization of marijuana just makes complete sense. Gotcha. The the way in which that's been used to it's, d- yeah. d- destroy communities and families uh, well, we're it, here. is is absolutely abhorrent. And the idea of just saying no is. You know, we, we needed to come up with a better say. We sure did. When I was a kid, we had Dare used to come in to... Dare. Yeah, and, and the thing was, people will do things because they say and feel good, but not take a look at the evidence. And what yeah. they found after the Dare program was coming in yeah. was that subs- there was an increase of substance use after Dare had come in. I remember Dare coming... And, and looking at the table and asking the police, oh, what's that? Oh, wait, I think I know what that is. This is a real thing in parenting where you talk about, you know, I'm sure, you know, just in general, we talk about protective mechanisms and schools have been actually the gateway to introduce more destructive behaviors mm-hmm. through the years and especially through our years, actually even more so now, meaning like, okay, and it's a big argument, whether it's from an education standpoint, health and safety standpoint, substance abuse standpoint, sex standpoint. It's like these are the big, when is it? the best time to introduce certain things to, mm-hmm. a, to a young kid. That's all over the place. But um, I'm going to pivot. So you obviously come to this moment of understanding that there was greater purpose. But you were, I'm imagining by this time at 29, 30 years old, you're making your way in your, in, in your financial services. So you've been in financial services. What was your drive from a standpoint of being successful? Like when we think about finding success in any particular marketplace, what was your drive um, and what were some of the attributes that you felt, you know, kind of paved the pathway for you to find success in what you did in the financial services? I'd also take note that uh, three months before I, I quit drinking, I was working for Wells Fargo at the time, and they put me on a performance improvement plan, mm. which is basically them lining up to make sure they don't get sued when they fire me. Mm. Um you know, and put the plug in the jug, and six months later, uh, I was performing at number three in, in the state, uh, you know, inside of my my division, and then... So they slapped you on the wrist, and you and you figured it out? I quit drinking. Wow, that was the That was, a <laughs> that was the difference, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Get the poison out your soul, folks. It became easy to show up to work on time. Yep. Right? Um, however, initially, when I put the plug in the jug, David... Uh, I didn't really get down to causes and conditions. I didn't get down to the reasons why I felt that it was necessary to poison myself in order to be able to function on a daily basis. You didn't get to the root. So, you know, it, it took about a, a year and a half uh, of me struggling until I started to do what a lot of people will call the work, you know, mm. really taking a look at myself and who I was and what made me tick. And during that year and a half, I feel like I got worse, not better. Work got better. Yeah, but my sanity, my happiness, my my ability to be able to function throughout the day and maintain relationships was was certainly suffering. Um, mm. You asked me about substances before. I, I rarely did cocaine. Uh, I, the problem was every time I, I would do it, I was just waiting for when is my my turn to talk. Wow! 
and, and, and like you'd be telling a story, and I, I would I couldn't even listen. You know, it's, it, it's, it, wait, that happened to me. Let me. And um, when I quit, when I quit drinking, it did nothing for that year and a half. I was so obsessed with myself mm. that I didn't have an opportunity to be able to to develop relationships. I was just constantly thinking about who I was and what happened to me, and I, you know it. Anything bad that had ever happened in my life was happening again and again in my head. You just said something so key right there that self-obsession actually makes us more maniacal. I mean, like, and I think it's number one condition because everyone, of course, is seeking a measure of happiness. And I think more more than happiness, people want to be at peace, right? Like, there's a place of contentment that people want to find. Whereas happiness comes and goes. I would like The human condition reveals something to us. It's like, well... There's a proper response to everything. Hopefully I have the emotional stability to find what that proper response is, whether it's crying, being overjoyed, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to return toward a place of confidence. So when you said, man, I'm thinking of myself so much, I wasn't able to focus on what actually brings. Go into that a little further because you start talking about relationships, right? It's like what we were created for. Like what was the process of that where you felt like you got to the other side of that and got that like this is the aha moment this is what i've been looking for i went through a 12-step program that many people are are, you know probably familiar with and um uh so it's it it was twofold right one was the process of writing down who i was who who i was resentful at what was my conduct who had i harmed in the past Mm. what was my sex conduct yeah i what are all of my fears and how are they keeping me from achieving wh- who I, and what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And there's magic that happens between the pen and the paper, right? Because I think one thing, and then I write it down, right? I, I thought my father abandoned me as a kid, and I write it down, and I think, well, that didn't, that doesn't really sound right. So. And, and, and then I, I, I relay this information to another man. I cover who I was. Yeah. I, you know, sort of as a, as a form of confession almost, Absolutely. right? No, um, as confession, yeah. And... And in going through it, you know, this, this man who cared enough to, uh, to, to listen to my story and, and to evaluate, you know, why I was so unhappy, he says, so when you say your dad abandoned you, did he, did he not call? I said, no, 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 he would, he would call often. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, did, did he move away? No, no, he, he moved out of the house. They, they got divorced, but he, he stayed in town. Mm. Oh, so he didn't, he didn't celebrate for Christmas for you or he didn't. He didn't contact you on your birthday. No, he did all of that. Uh, he'd send cards, and you know, I would push him away over and over again. Mm. And he, you know, what that man told me is that I needed to put the word "perceived" into any one of my resentments against people. Oh, the fact of the matter is, my dad tried his damnedest to be yeah. the best father he absolutely could, and I did nothing but make that difficult for him. Wow, man, it's so powerful that you said it. You know, I my my dad. You've seen it enough through the years. He works at. Tyree's table and you know I grew up in a divorce home so and my dad had always been amazing we always had a good relationship but there was this underlying root of bitterness that would kind of project yep. right and um you know of course I'm I'm his I'm his guy you know I'm out here doing a sports thing checking checking boxes and it wasn't until I got to this place maybe at like 30 years old, I'm like free, I'm, I'm a new creation, I'm, I mean, like, I didn't have the 12-step program, like, God literally took the taste of alcohol out of my mouth, but I started to ask my dad different questions, and I learned more about his relationship with my mom, 
And then I realized this guy's this guy's a hero. I mean, like he's not he's far from perfect. Yeah. But he did his best. Yeah. You know, I think when you when you talk about getting to healing moments, especially in parental relationships or significant relationships, it's not just the empathy, it's the consideration and what we perceive about ourselves and other people that really breaks that threshold and you can really begin to heal. And from now, he's, he's my hero. I'm like, man, you did your best, dude. Yeah. You're, yeah. And I always loved him. So what? <laughs> so, powerful. so my experience is, is very similar, David. It's awesome. I, um, as, you know, once I had all of that down on paper, I was instructed to go out to the people that, that I had harmed. Yeah. Uh, I was instructed to go and, and speak to the people who I held resentments against. You know, so I, I set up a meeting with, with my dad, and we had started to rekindle the relationship as best we could, but I, I told him, listen, I need to have a very serious conversation with you yep. f- f- for my benefit. No doubt. I listed the things and the ways in which I had harmed him. Mm. And then I was to ask him if I left anything out and insist that he let me know how I may have hurt him. Sure. And, uh, you know, he loved me enough to, to explain some of the things that I had even forgotten, you know, the way in which uh, I tried to purposely cause harm to him. Yeah. And, um, and then I was to ask him how it made him feel. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, I sat at his kitchen table with my, with my stepmom, um, who had who'd walked into the other room, and with tears in his eyes, he explained to me, you know, how how incredibly important I was to him mm-hmm. and uh, and how difficult it, it was. But I, I, I didn't even have to ask the third question, which was how can I make it up, right? He said, Tim, Tim j- just do me a favor and stay sober and stay in my life. Wow. And, um, you know, it's, wow. it's real easy. Just like you call your dad your hero. I mean, my dad is my best friend. Amazing. And Man, thanks for sharing that. That's super deep and intimate, but it gives a lot of shape to who you are and how, how you're, what you're doing today. Um, Currently, the CEO of Awakening uh, Absolute Awakenings Treatment Center in Denville, New Jersey. Um, talk to me about the transition from financial services to to being a boss, bro. Like, all right, so I'm in that stage where even me, I'm people. People know I get a lot of excitement about potentially working with people at different levels. But I mean, running your own business is a monster, and of course, from a capital standpoint, what was the transition like? And what was the biggest difficulty of bringing a vision to fruition? So there's a lot that went into it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'd be remiss, uh, you know, if, if I don't point out the fact that Go for through it. my successes in the, in the financial services field, there was a time where things were not going very well. Mm. And uh, my, my son, my second child, was just born. Expenses were uh, starting to pile up. Um, yeah, we had purchased a house like the day before 2008 happened with that crash. Oh, man. And, you know, I just fe- felt myself pinched from every side. And uh, the day before my 40th birthday, I claimed bankruptcy. Ooh. That B word. I'll try <laughs> yeah. to avoid, uh, it, it was, you know, I felt my world crushing down around me, you know. And, and, and it really... You know, it, it really does something. Uh, I, I certainly took a lot of pride in, um, you know, in, in being somebody who doesn't need to ask for help and sure. being someone who, who pays their, their debts, right? And yep. there was so much that, that went into that and so much, you know, uh, it, it was a humbling experience to yeah. say the least. Man, sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that humility 
often is associated with humiliation. It's one of my favorite things. So everybody wants to be humble, but no one wants to, wants to be humiliated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it gave me a little bit of a new lease on life, but at the same time, I started to realize... I started to realize that there was no company in the world who was going to ever allow me to make enough money to, to be able to, to be financially independent. Um, Big facts. It felt like they were giving me just enough to make sure that I wouldn't leave. <laughs> and Those um, breadcrumbs got bigger, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, part of it was out of necessity. Sure. The other part was, you know, the opioid epidemic was getting worse and worse. And I was, uh, you know, we were all losing friends left and right in the recovery community. Uh, um, there were treatment centers who were who were coming into New Jersey and opening up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, relative to the services that were being provided, I was taking a look at it. And... You know, I, I, I met a couple of people inside of the industry, and I was like, wait a minute. If if they can do it, why, why not me? Why not me? So it, I, I, uh, we opened Absolute Awakenings. I have two other friends who, who are in recovery. We were, we were hanging out after after a 12-step meeting at the diner like, like we would normally do on a Saturday night. And, you know, my, my partner, Cheryl, who worked in the treatment industry, was talking to my other partner, Tyler, and said, I think we should open a rehab. And they immediately turned to me and said, Tim, do you think we could do it? The next day we sat down, we submitted an application. Amazing. Took about 18 months for the state of New Jersey to, uh, to, to process our application, to go through what you have to go through with the towns. And then the state of New Jersey issued us, issued us a license the day New Jersey went into shelter in place. That's what we gotta we gotta lead in. So this is right around COVID. Right? This is March twentieth, two thousand twenty. Amazing. So and obviously that's kind of where our, some of our interactions begin that summer. But so I'm amazed and intrigued, like you know, because people when you consider CEO entrepreneur, I think everybody lights up with the prospect of of ownership, but um, obviously when you talk about the unknowns and the severity of moving pieces, what do you feel like your greatest strengths were that allowed you to, you know, amongst your amongst your peers and um, supporters, investors, and what did you feel like you had to supplement, right? So when we talk about being a business owner, entrepreneur, a CEO, you have to find the proper pieces to bring a vision together. You know, what was your guiding light in relation to your leadership element, your gifts, your strengths, and what did you know that you needed to to establish this business and bring stability in a crazy time? Yeah, I mean, it was it was all kind of crazy, right? Because uh, with with very little resources myself, even to open, we, we had to go out and raise a million dollars. Oh, gosh. So, you know, just... Just in, in doing that alone was, you know, asking people for favors and, and telling them to believe in me and, you know, putting together a solid business plan with, uh, you know, with, yeah. uh, w with a mission behind it. Because everyone on our advisory board, 50% uh, are people in recovery and the other 50% have an immediate family member who is in recovery. Amazing. There it is. So, Key. yeah, it... it you know, making sure that our that our mission was first and foremost was was something that was always 
key on my mind. Awesome. Um, relative to COVID coming down, you know, the fact of the matter is I sat there with my two business partners and I said, I, I, I think we should delay. I think mm. we should wait. And, uh, you know, they're 14 years younger than me. Yeah. Um, they didn't have children at, at the time and they, you know, had that nice young prefrontal cortex. It was like, nah, we can do it. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, that was probably one of the first votes that I had lost. <laughs> wow. And, and we opened up. Our plan was to have six patients the first month, eight patients the next, ten patients the following. You know, and, and we created a business plan off of uh, uh, 24 patients. Sure. And by the end of the first month, we had 24 patients. Whoa. It was insane if you could think about, like, you know, what that time was, right? We have a brand new treatment center. Yeah. We, we have a, a, a plethora of, of investors who were incredibly confident that they had just kissed all of their money goodbye. <laughs> um, and, and for understandable reasons in light of where the world economy is, right? Yeah. Like in some way. Yeah, we were, we were opening up uh, sober living houses in conjunction with our, with our treatment center in areas where I'm not sure if you're familiar with NIMBY, not in my backyard. There's plenty of people who want to, who want recovery to happen. They just don't want it to happen in their neighborhood. Wow, look at that. So Woo. we fought plenty of that. That's so, that's so heartbreaking to hear. I just, I just keep that thought. I was just talking to somebody the same way. Um, you know, of course, they, have, they had a spiritual element to their service, but in, the same, in, in Patterson, as we, we, you know, anyone from New Jersey understands the, the, the uh, economic conditions there. They just didn't want them doing such a great service in their neighborhood. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like amazing. The needs there on a ginormous level. Yeah. But just don't want you here doing this and our doing this good work here, ruffling our bushes. Maybe, yeah. Perhaps. So sorry to hear that. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, people will complain about a treatment center or a sober living coming into their neighborhood, but if you open up a liquor store, there's no problem. No problem. That's <laughs> that's the, actually the, the real reason. And actually, they can't wait to, to, to get the liquor store. To, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, and to me, like I said, as a spiritual man, I said, man, you can, you can tell the idols of any land. It's just by because businesses are almost like temples. You know, like we can't get enough food places. We can't get enough liquor stores. We can't get. And um, I said, the next thing will be. Um, and I just, and, you know, there's a dollar behind it, right? Like, like at the end of the day, there's a dollar behind it. Not really looking for the real solutions because behind it, Somebody's going to need a tr treatment for their sickness. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm glad you guys are part of the solution more than the problem. Mm. Let, let me highlight the realities, right? So when I, when I, when I was kind of reading through some of you, you, you weren't just a dude in the financial industry. You, you, you sat amongst, you were celebrated, and now you, you find yourself in this new space. And even the, in the midst of a world crisis, Awakenings gets off to a, a re respectably astounding start. Was that fearful? Like, was that, like, exciting? What was that feeling knowing that, wow, um, this is actually more than what I bargained for, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so, so the result of opening during that time period with that large of an influx yeah. of, patience was you know a little bit of controlled chaos it was mm. difficult to hire people during that time period yeah you know we, we would we'd spend 
you know, three weeks vetting someone. Uh, then you, once we decided we were going to hire them, it'd, it'd be uh, six weeks for the background checks and what have you uh, in, in order to get a counselor into the program. The counselor would, would then come come in and understandably so, they'd say, they're, you know, the, I can't get them to to keep their masks below their nose, you know, th- throughout the day. And I understand their concern for it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not a COVID denier. I'll tell you, it made it incredibly hard to go through all of that and three days later have the counselor quit. Um, this is the under, underbelly. So when we talk about catch the moment, we're talking about the pain points, the process, the journey. This is, this is the reason why people need to understand what it takes because we have to, we have to define success for ourselves, right? Like, so it's this that makes someone like yourself and absolute awakenings, a worthwhile dynamic story to me. I'm like, you don't realize the price that they had to pay <laughs> to, yeah. to, to bring this to market. Who are the people in your personal circle, whether it's like I said, in the business, outside of the business that keep you sharp. So we talked about my dad being my best friend, right? Awesome. Uh, he's, he's a man that if I picked up the phone and called him right now, he's uh, well, he, He's, he's in his 70s, so sometimes he sounds like he's surprised. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Dad, you, you just answered the phone. I'm, I'm here. But, you know, he, yeah. he, uh, from a standpoint of, of wisdom, um, he does a really, really good job of helping me to remain calm. So awesome. Um, you know, that, and then I've, I've got other friends in, in recovery. My, my, uh, my high school best friend and college roommate yeah. uh, happens to, to be in recovery two years longer than I than I wasn't. In, in fact, the craziest thing he's he's recently got divorced and started dating his uh, the woman he loved in college, who happened to be my high school sweetheart. Oh uh, gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so I like literally, uh, you know, two months ago. He, now he's a huge giant fan, right? He's, okay. he's very excited for me to be here today. That's he, um, yeah. Over the summer, I'm I'm sitting there with the two of them and their children and my children, and I mean, it was really incredible. They were all sitting around the pool and playing the guitar. Um, I just turned to him and I'm like, man, it's been, uh, it's been 25 years. It, we used to do this, wow. but the roles were reversed. Yeah. <laughs> He's absolutely been, been a rock for me That's awesome. uh, throughout this, this entire process and sort of making sure that I stay focused on, on who I am and, and what do I want to be? Mm. What's one of my keynotes? Be well, do well. Like at the end of the day, we focus, you know. We know what the human being, human doing, but um, we are measured by what we do. So it's very, it's very, you know, and even in business, you have to get down to some data, some numbers, projections. You got to get to a point of being profitable. But so if you're not intentional about who you're becoming, you it's very easy to get lost, especially a little bit more as a man, just because our, we're tied to work. <laughs> Worth is tied to work. Too much, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's very easy. I think it's practical, but it's easy to swing the pendulum to an unhealthy space. Yeah, and um, you know, I think we all we all up against it. You know, in, in relation to your personal life, obviously, your you know your father. What is your defining moment as a professional in your in your world, where you where you find your greatest place of peace, joy, and uh, contentment as you move toward your you know. This, this space in your professional career? Absolute Awakenings as a whole feels like a miracle, right? It, it feels like sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely in a pinch me moment where I'm like, how, 
how is this possible? At, at this point, uh, you know, we just had an advisory board call last night and we opened up a mental health track in addition to the substance use and mm. we're serving, we've got eight, 89 patients at this point. There's been over a thousand people who have been through our program and there's more people who need services. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I've been looking at I- expansion and, and when, when I look at other opportunities out there, it is the complete understanding that absolutely anything is possible. And in this space, obviously, the needs are great, you know, from opioid crisis. I've been so disconnected, and I have one of those, you know, like I have a lot of empathy toward the community because, again, I was 10 years going hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't identify with the depth, but I completely, I know what the 12-step program is or represents. I know it's history, it's undercurrent, it's... It's dynamic. You talk about confession, community. That's what every human actually needs on a daily basis, period. It's not whether you have an addiction. <laughs> yeah. It's what we need as humans to thrive. And when we find ourselves, you know, out of out of sync with who you were created to be, there is a process to redemption or process to restoration. So um, I so identify with it, although I didn't go through those steps. So um, what do you think is unique in, in your service um, and, you know, like take the time to just go through some of those services, but what is unique in relation to what you have been able to establish with Absolute Awakenings? What's your footprint that you're hoping to leave? And, and even in this, talk about, you know, not that you're looking to be known or seen or be great. I don't get that from you, but what do you hope to leave in your legacy as a man? Because this, this is going to be a part of your legacy yeah. in contributing to the, to the welfare of so many people who are struggling to overcome things in life. You know, and, and you're, you're, you're following a track that goes on in my mind constantly, which is, what will my legacy be? Mm. Um, you know, and it's, it's it, I don't know that it's more important than it should be. It, it just seems to be incredibly important for me. Uh, is that I want to make sure, before my grandfather died, he turned to me and he said, Timmy, anytime you enter a room, your job in that room is to leave it better than the way you found it. And I've taken Sounds like a man. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It's something that I fail to do as often as I'd like to, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And yet I understand the human condition and uh, I've certainly forgiven myself. For, for who I am, but it's it's a nice goal to think of, you know, what can we do to help people? Yeah. For a while, I was traveling the country doing youth motivational speaking, and, and my entire uh, keynote was the benefits of helping other people. So I, I started to live it, and it was a it was a part of my recovery process, right? There were some mm-hmm. people that I had harmed that I couldn't ever make up that didn't exist anymore. There were yep. companies that I had just, you know, uh, uh, there was just damage that I couldn't repair. Yep. And so my mentor turned to me and he said, Tim, what I need you to do is, is anytime someone asks for help, I need the answer to be yes until you have no more time. Mm, so good. And the result of doing that created the most abundant life that I ever thought I could have. Oh, there's a little proverb. All the promises are yes and amen. And yes is is to agree. Amen. It declares that it is so. So it actually, you know, it's, like I said, it's all scripture, but at the end of the day, it brings a, a, a divine element 
we when we say yes because we're in service to. Yeah, and 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 so the, the thing about doing all of that was that it it made me feel good, mm-hmm. and it helped me realize what do I want my legacy to be, mm-hmm. which absolutely is is helping people. You know, re- recently I've been doing a lot of traveling down to South America. So I've been to Costa Rica, nice. uh, a little bit all over uh, Colombia, nice. Mexico, p- particularly. Um, you know, one of the people I met down in, in Colombia was this uh, was this taxi cab driver, Joshua. Uh, he had been working as a taxi cab driver for four years. He had saved up $1,500 in an effort to go ahead and start his own business. I asked him, what does it take to, to be able to do that? And he's like, well, I just needed my own car and then I can, then I can do it. And he... He said, I think I, I need about another $2,500. I, I did some math and, you know, started talking to him about what his business plan should be and that it should include some advertising, what have you. And I figured it was 3500 bucks. Sure. I said, what would be the difference in your life? And he said, well, Tim, I make $25 a day doing this and you just paid $400 to go all over. I mean, he took me paragliding and ziplining sure. and what have you. Uh, so there were other people to, to, to be paid. But when I did the math, I'm like, man, there's probably $275 a day in profit to be made for the guy who's hired you. Why aren't you doing that? Mm. So Tim, I just don't have the resources. Sure. So, you know, one of the things I plan on doing when, when my life relaxes a little bit, perhaps when my children graduate sure. high school, would be to go down and find Joshua's who need these, you know, sort of micro loans. Yeah, micro loans, yeah. And can change their lives forever. Because when I said why do you why do you need it, he goes, my daughter, Tim. Mm. He goes, I got a four year old daughter, and everything that I do in my life is for my daughter, and I need to make sure that I can put her in a safe environment so that she can thrive. And that's the story. That's the why. It's things like that that I think anyone who gets ahead, I think that there's a responsibility to go ahead and and, and give back, and that's that's what I hope my legacy is. Man, well, you, you're you're well on your way. Um, you know, like I said, I, I knew this would be a good time because when th- this, these, these talks are really about how are we reframing success, right? It's really about like, man, everybody's going to have a moment, but you have to align your life, your thoughts and, you know, create vision for your life that actually begins to identify from within where there's meaning to your mission. Right. And, and that's what's so valuable about your story. And, um, man, I, I just, just can't thank you enough for the transparency. Um, tell us a little bit more about where we can find you, you know, um, Absolute Awakenings and what to expect moving forward for, you know, for let you off the hook. Absolute Awakenings Treatment Center is located in, in Denville, New Jersey. You Shout go to, to Absolute, AbsoluteAwakenings.com and you're going to, you're going to find our program. You'll find that it is, we happen to have some of the most amazing staff, amazing. uh, their dedication towards our clients, um, there, you know, last night we had a client come on our advisory board call in order to explain, you know, what her process was and where she was today. And and on the call was one of our counselors and executive director. And when, when the client explained that she got her children back, she got her husband back, that she was a, a member of the community again, yeah. to look at the, you know, the look of satisfaction on, on, uh, on Megan's face was really really incredibly touching and I, I think that 
that goes towards the heart of the entire program, which is that everybody there wants to help someone. Um, you know, and we, we also happen to offer services that you're, you know, you're not necessarily going to be able to find at, at, at other treatment centers. We've, we've got, you know, uh, yoga and there's a hypnotist who comes and rocks everybody on Thursdays. Uh, y'all got folks hypnotized up in there. Yeah, we, we, uh. um, <laughs> Uh, we did, yeah, nobody's barking like a chicken, right? But, uh, you know, to, to, to put no. yourself in a position where you can manifest greatness. There you go. I've, I have seen, you know, the, the, the medical side of, you know, of hypnotism. I'm not a big advocate, but I do understand, you know, the worth of putting somebody in a, in a particular state where they can access, be a little bit more accessible. I would call it more meditation. There you right? go. So, so prayer is, is talking to God and yeah. meditation is listening. And listening, exactly. Um, so, you know, we, we, we have practices like those. There's Tai Chi. There's, you know, I saw that email yesterday came through and it just said dogs are here, right? Nice. Dog therapy shows Dog, up. That's and, right. And, um, you know, art therapy. We give everybody a chance to, to find their own path of recovery. Awesome. Um, through, again, a staff that has just blown me away since, since we started. Man, congratulations, man. I got to ask you one thing about this because, you know, um, even me, right? It's like, you know, you get to the point, I'm like, man, I'm out of resource. Fundraising. What, give, 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 what is a key to, to, to raising fund, right? Like, I think most people are lacking capital and, and there's so many different ways to get it. But um, what, what do you think is a good first step in that process for an emerging business owner whether it's microphone or whether it's bigger. Like, what is the best approach? Everybody knows they need a business plan. I was talking to Dr. Alexandra Miller, who is a really close friend of mine, uh, when I was thinking about doing this. And you know, she said the most poignant thing that anyone has ever said to me when I'm like, I think I should, and I'm not really sure. And, I, you know, it seems like a good idea. And she said, uh, well, Tim, if you really want to do this, you just need to simply begin. <laughs> and, and, and so you know it, it's in the doing that that everything is done everybody hear that 10 times over just start relative to what worked for me mm -hmm. uh, was a, a couple of things number one i made sure all of the math worked come on now there it is. Yeah, every now and then you'll see a business open up and, and you're sitting in a mall and you're scratching your head going, how is that going to work? And it doesn't because the math didn't work and nobody checked it out. I'm sorry because this, that's the practical side, right? I'm, I'm a man full of faith, but I said there's, there's this there, practicality is actually spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, man, I mean, God ain't voodoo. No, no. Right? You can't like, just it's be invisible. Like, oh. It doesn't mean it's not something real. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, having a solid business plan makes sense. And then, right. you know, raising capital for, for me came down to, there's a um, there's a book called Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo, which has been one of the most influential books in my life. Nice. And he he talks about telling a story. And he, he, so the book's premise is breaking down the top 10 TED Talks, right? In okay. 18 minutes, how are you influencing an entire crowd and, and having you know millions of people watching your, your content over and over again? Nice. From a, from a slide per perspective, I know that people like to look at things, right? The, the problem is when people create PowerPoints or, or, or uh, business plans is they, they get 
too concerned about the numbers and they put too many words on the screen. And one of the things that they suggested uh, in, in this book was to never have more than four words on a page and to show a lot of pictures. Wow. So, so people believed the math, but they invested in our story. Boom, boom, boom. Tim Jackson with the jewels. That was that was that's that's life changing. I, th- I think that's going to really help somebody. We talk. Everybody's talking about storytelling, but comprehensively in relation to you know business and amplifying your business profile, it's connected to a story, right? But absolutely. And and, and then the numbers have to at the end of the day make sense, and everyone's going to choose what they want to be a part of. Yeah. And um, now nah, thanks so much for sharing that connecting dots because you've been you know successful. You're in an expansion phase, and I'm excited. To watch that and um, somehow find a way to keep keep you apart, man. So, man, thanks so much for your for um, man just rocking with your boy, man. The Catch the Moment podcast, man. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that y'all were thrilled and inspired by um, Tim's story. You can see he's super dynamic, authentic, engaging. He's from Jersey, but uh, make sure you tune in to the jewels, the gems that he just dropped. Not just in relation to um, overcoming and being a conqueror in life but how you can be established in the marketplace with your dynamic story, how you can catch your own moments. And we'll check you next week. Make sure y'all download, subscribe, comment, like, share, and we'll continue to get great done together. Appreciate you.